morning, everyone. Uh, it's great to have everyone with us again. Um, again, everyone's very welcome wherever you're in the main hall, in the cafe, or at home, or anywhere else in the world. Um, you're very welcome to be with us. Um, before we start, let's just pray. Father, we give you thanks, Lord, uh, for allowing us to come into your presence, for allowing us to come to your word. And we ask, Lord, that as we come to your word, as we come to your scripture, that your spirit will help still our hearts, our minds, our bodies from the busyness of this season. Father, will you bless our time together, helping us reflect on what the real meaning of Christmas is all about. In your holy name, Jesus, amen. Um, so there will be no visuals, so I'll tell you now. The passage is Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 24. That gives you around two minutes to find it. Um, with the season still in Advent, and with Christmas literally tomorrow, I'd like to still try and keep our focus around that uh, to a degree. We will be journeying through Scripture, uh, going from a journey more or less from the start of the Bible to the end. We have around 30 minutes to do it. Um, but I'm hoping that this morning we'll be able to leave in a reflective state, understanding what Christmas is really about and what really happened. Um, to give you an idea on what we'll be talking about, we'll be focusing on names. And we'll be talking about some names, but mainly we'll be focusing on the name Emmanuel, about Emmanuel in the past, for our future, and then also for our present day, uh, what Emmanuel means. So to our reading in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 24. It's a, it's a very famous passage. I'm sure it's been read many times, either in churches or even schools and nativities. Um, we're going to read it again today. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit and she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. So that's a passage we'll really be trying to focus on, but as I said, we'll be going through a journey through scripture. Um, while preparing for this morning, while reading and looking over some things, I suddenly realized that within these seven verses, you actually have quite a lot of names. And so I went down a rabbit hole and you just get the journey with that with me. Um, where we'll be looking at certain things, but I promise that it will all link together. Um, just bear with me, we'll get there. 
each one of us in this room has been given a name. Something that our parents or loved ones given to us at the moment of birth. And we usually spend a lot of time looking through books, looking on the internet, looking at the history, looking at descriptions, finding out what names really mean. And so, for example, the Daniels in the room, your name means God is my judge. For the Peters, your name means rock or stone. For the Matthews, your name means gift from God, although my mum disagrees sometimes. <laughs> for the Sheenas, your name means God is gracious. And for the Sarahs, your name actually, actually comes from a Hebrew language, which means princess. And so each one of us has a name. And I'd honestly invite you all later on, if you get time, to look up what your name means. But each one of us has a name, and it means something and describes something about us. And so if we turn back to the passage that we just read in Matthew chapter 1, there's many names. But in the first sentence of the first verse, there's two names that jump out at us. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. You have two names. You have Jesus, which means the Lord is salvation or the Lord saves. And then you have Messiah, which means anointed one. But for us, more commonly known as the Greek version, which means the Christ. And so, really, if you wanted, you could remove the names from that first sentence. This is how Jesus the Messiah is born. I'm not saying reword the Bible, but this is how Jesus the Messiah is born. And you could replace it with their meanings. And you could read it like this. This is how the Lord's salvation, the anointed one, the Christ, was born. I don't know about you, but do you not think that suddenly gives a whole new weight to that sentence? When you understand what is being said, when you understand the depths of the truth that is hidden within the names. This is how the Lord's salvation, the anointed one, the Christ, was born. I find that mind-blowing. When you understand <coughs> what is really trying to get the grasp of. If you continue on that passage, you have another name which we commonly use. It's called the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit in Hebrew is ruach. And ruach can be translated into three words. It can either mean wind, breath, but more appropriately in this context, it means God's personal presence. And so again, if you looked at the passage we have there, it says she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. She became pregnant through the power of God's personal presence. That was something God himself decided to do. And so there's weight and meaning behind names. But the one we're going to focus on this morning, that was my rabbit hole, the ones that we're going to focus, the one we're going to focus on this morning is Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And it's interesting because out of all the names that that passage gives us, you have Jesus, Messiah, Holy Spirit, Mary, Joseph. But it is the name Emmanuel that Matthew the author decides to give us the meaning right beside it. He says and makes it clear, they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. He's making it clear who we're dealing with. He's making it clear who's just entered this story. This isn't just some normal person. But it is Emmanuel, God is 
with us. And the two names that this baby receives in this story, Emmanuel and Jesus. Emmanuel tells us his identity. This is God with us. While Jesus, that name tells us his purpose. He is going to save us from our sins. He will be our salvation. And so, again, names hold meaning. They hold depths of truth if you decide to go look into it. The name Emmanuel is also relational. And what I mean by that is Matthew didn't write Emmanuel, God is at a distance from us. Or Emmanuel, God is on the other end of a phone line to us, if you think in modern terms. He's made it clear that it is Emmanuel, God is with us. And sometimes I don't think we fully take that in. That God is literally present with us here, right now, in this room. And if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he's right now in your lives and your hearts and your bodies and souls. And we honestly don't spend much time reflecting on that. We don't spend much time thinking how we actually got to this stage or what God had to do through history to get us to this stage where we can now be so intimate with him. And so with Matthew making it clear what the name Emmanuel means, and with it being relational, then we have to ask ourselves a question. The question is, where in the Bible do we see man and God have the purest form of a relationship? And this is where we start our journey, which is right back at the beginning. Has God walked in harmony with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden? A beautiful picture. Something that I think we all long to desire, to be walking in constant harmony with God. And that's what it's meant to look like, where we are meant to be walking in harmony, where we're meant to be in constant harmony with God. But we all know, as we look around the world, as we look around our towns, our streets, or even behind closed doors in our houses, that those type of relationships don't always exist. But due to the fall, due to our sin, due to our disobedience and our selfishness, that we lost the purest form of a relationship that we could have ever had. That one with God back in the garden. And due to our disobedience, due to our sin, God had to separate us from his presence. Now, on a brighter note, hindsight's a great thing. Because we have, thankfully due to scripture, the story. And the story doesn't end there. It doesn't end in the garden. It doesn't end with us being separated from God. And it's only due to God's grace and his mercy that it doesn't end there. Otherwise, none of us, believer or non-believer, would be in this room. We wouldn't be sitting here today. And so as we journey through the Bible... God's presence is clearly trying to break its way back into our lives. For example, if we jump to the book of Exodus, which is the second book, you have where God's presence rescues the Israelites from Egypt. And he's in the form of a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And he is guiding them and protecting them, guiding them to something that they call the promised land. And so I think it's safe for us to assume, to say that the Israelites could have claimed God is with us 
they're literally looking at a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire at night. And so I don't know what else you would describe it as except for this has to be God. And so they could say, God is with us. And as you journey on in the book of Exodus, God doesn't remain in the form of a pillar of fire or a pillar of cloud. In fact, he moves his presence into something that they call the tabernacle. It's like a tent-like structure where it's like a temporary home for the Lord, where he travels with the Israelites to make it more intimate as they are looking for this promised land. And again, I think the Israelites could have claimed that God is with us. We know where he lives currently. We know where his presence is when his cloud is in that temple. We know he is with us when it lifts. We know to move. And so they could have claimed that God is with us. He travels with us and he protects us. And later on in the Bible, in a book called Second Chronicles, the Israelites at this stage have taken land. They have now, you could almost say, made Jerusalem their capital. And they have now built the temple, which is a permanent dwelling place for God's presence to occupy. A house for the Lord. And in the form of fire, God's presence comes down and fills the temple, where he now resides at the heart of the Israelite nation. And so, again, I think it's safe to assume that the Israelites could have claimed God is with us. We know where he is. We know where he lives. He guards our nation. He guards our borders. He is at the heart of everything that we do. And yet, what's the problem with these pictures? What's the problem with the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire? The problem with the tabernacle and the problem with the temple? The problem is the distance. God is still at a distance from his people. Only a select few from a selected tribe were even allowed to enter certain places of the temple. The sanctuary where God's presence resided, where his presence dwelled. And so even at this stage in the story, the relationship that we once had with God still isn't restored. There's still that distance. And so God takes another step, doing something truly unthinkable, which leads us back to the passage we just read, Matthew chapter one, to a town called Bethlehem, where there is a baby boy placed into a feeding trough. This is how the Lord's salvation, the anointed one, the Christ was born, where God becomes flesh, where God walks among us, where God is literally with us, Emmanuel, where God came to earth. And again, while I was preparing for this morning, I was reading something, and an author wrote, God drew near to us at Christmas. And yes, I can see where he's coming from, but I don't actually agree with that statement, because God didn't simply just draw near to us. He decided to get his hands dirty and got stuck in straight to where we are. And so I believe we need to take ownership of what that means. Where God literally came down to us in human form under the name of Jesus. Where Jesus is God with us. Jesus is Emmanuel. Where God resided in Mary's womb. Where it was God who was placed into a feeding trough. Where it was God who grew into a boy, into a man, 
and he walked among us. And as he walked among us, he healed his sick. He tended to the poor, constantly battling the devastations of sin. It was also God who took the bread in his hands and broke it and said, this is my broken body for you. It was also God who hung on that cross, crying out and grasping for breath. And it was God who died and was placed in a tomb. But that also means that it was also God who was raised three days later, where he defeated sin, defeated death, and later on poured out his Holy Spirit. Again, that word means his personal presence. He poured out his personal presence onto us. And so all of that and much more, there's so much more to this, we only have a certain amount of time, gives us a glimpse of the past on what God has done for us to get us to where we are. And so by what Jesus has done in the past, where he literally came to us, gives us a bright future. And so we've talked about the past, now we're going to jump to the future. Where one day, as scripture tells us in the New Testament, there will be a new heaven and a new earth, where there will be no more sin, there will be no more suffering, there will be no more death, there will be no more pain, there will be no more Parkinson's, there will be no more Alzheimer's, there will be no more cancer, there will be no more depression. All of that will be gone, and that is a guarantee. Another guarantee is that our relationship with the Lord will be restored, where we can now, or we will, sorry, will walk side by side with him. The one back in the garden. All due to Jesus being born. Due to Emmanuel, God coming to be with us. Living a completely human life. Being completely obedient to his father. Dying a sinless death on the cross. And defeating evil and sin. All of that is a guarantee for our future if you have your hope and trust in the Lord Jesus. Now, you may be thinking, Matt, you've spoken about the past. You've spoken a bit about the future. What about our present day? And so what does Emmanuel look like for us today? God with us today is in the form of the Holy Spirit his personal presence, where that distance no longer exists. It's no longer for a select few from a selected nation. It's for everyone who decides to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And the Bible, the Bible is full of symbols and imagery. And so just like God's presence descended in the form of fire in the temple that we talked about earlier, in the New Testament, his presence descends in the form of fire and tongues resting on the disciples in the upper room, meaning that our bodies are now, are now the new temple where God's presence dwells. And if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then that distance that there once was has been removed, where God's presence now resides within us on all occasions. Because where we go, and if our bodies are now the new temples, then he goes with us. And as we journey with God in this life, we can still see that things aren't perfect. 
we can still see that the earth is messy, that there is suffering, that there is pain, that there is still death, and that means there is still grief, grieving, all due to the fallen world. But with God's presence living within us, we can now become beacons of hope. With the Spirit living in us, we've been given the privilege, not the burden, but the privilege to continue the same job that Jesus himself did on this earth with the help of his Holy Spirit. Where we're enabled to continue by tending to our poor, by tending to our sick, tending to our lonely and tending to our grieving. And there's so many more things we are called to do due to the Holy Spirit living within us, due to God being with us, Emmanuel. And we are called to bring them into God's presence. That until Christ calls us home or he returns, whichever one comes first, we are to be beacons of hope that point people to Jesus, showing them that God is with us, showing them that God is a God of compassion, that he is merciful, that he is slow to anger, and that he is rich in unfailing love and forgiveness. And if I can be bold in saying this, if you're sitting here today, you're listening online, whichever one, and you're on the fence about all of this, or you're skeptical about what we're doing or what we're talking about or why we gather together, can I first of all say that that's okay? Because there was many of us in that position. But I'd also like to invite you to have a conversation. You can either come speak to myself or there will be other people. I'm about to give people a job. People on my left, some on your right. You can come and speak to us. We'd love to tell you more about who Jesus is. But it's something which is, I think all of us need to actively do. Tell people more about his personal presence. Now, to finish up, there was a song that Paul and Ben sang at our carol service called Hope Has a Name. And we're going to listen to it uh, at the very end as a time to reflect on the lyrics and what it says. There'll be no, actual, won't actually be a band. It'll just be for everyone to sit. And when it finishes, then you're free to go. Um, but there's some lyrics that I want to read to you. It says, Hope has a name, Emmanuel, the light of the world who broke through the darkness. All hail the King, Emmanuel, the light of the world, the glory of heaven. Come if you're broken, come if you're searching. If you need healing, he's where you'll find it. Lay down your burdens and breathe in forgiveness. If you need freedom, he's where you'll find it. If you need freedom, he's where you'll find it. Jesus, Emmanuel, came to give us freedom. Came to restore the relationship that we have with him. And so this Christmas, if you can find time during the busyness of today and tomorrow to sit and remember what the birth and the death, they go hand in hand, what it really means and how it actually restored our relationship with the Lord Jesus. All due to the fact that God came to be among us, due to God being with us. That word, Emmanuel, there's so much truth within the names. Let's pray.
Father, we thank you for constantly through history chasing after us. We thank you for doing the unthinkable, bringing yourself down from your throne to be amongst us in human flesh. Also that we, even people who are not worthy, that we may be allowed to come into your presence. Where that distance that once existed between us has been removed. But it was due to Emmanuel, due to God being with us and paying the price for us. That we now have true freedom. Lord, may we find time today and tomorrow during all of this busyness just to sit in your presence and reflect what it exactly means for what you've done for us. We thank you, Lord. In your holy name, Jesus, amen.